Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that wants health and well-being for us all and footballing precedent to be followed, not just when it suits some. This week in Heart and Hand, have you washed your hands? So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's Ian Hogg, and this week, rather than talk about the games that have just been played or coming up, we're going to focus on the unprecedented events of the past few days. Football in Scotland has been postponed indefinitely due to the worldwide outbreak and spread of the disease called COVID-19 caused by a new strain of coronavirus. And to do this, we're going to use my Hoggies hamper pod from Saturday on the Heart and Hand Patreon network. Then myself and James Forrest go through in some detail the virus and the spread, the facts and the figures, what it potentially means across the next few months in terms of not just football within Scotland, but European-wide, really. The options, the implications for season 2019-20, and unlike the mainstream media and the ill-informed punditry crap that we've seen across social media recently, it doesn't do it in a moon-howling kind of way. If you want to find us on Patreon, Google Patreon Heart and Hand or follow the link www.patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Stay healthy, stay safe and let us know what you think. Cheers. This is a Heart and Hand production. Hello everyone, Ian Hogg here with another edition of Hoggy's Hamper and as you know over the past few weeks we've had quite the different run of shows and different guests and today's not going to be any different, it's something different again because as we record on the 14th of March 2020 we live in what feels like certainly for the modern, modern generation unprecedented times, football as well as just about every other uh, major team sport in Europe, has been postponed indefinitely as as the COVID-19 virus threatens major gatherings, including, as I say, all sporting events. But the question is, how long for? And in Scotland, that's until further notice. In England and several other countries across the continent, it's for two weeks, but there's already and we're talking within a day of that decision being made, there's already press support, press reports of it's going to be much longer for than that. You strap yourselves in, we're in for the long haul. And that, of course, is with players and management teams and backroom teams 
all starting to test positive uh, and therefore placing entire squads in self-isolation for at least a couple of weeks, which would obviously burst the the English Premier League's view of a two-week hiatus. So today we're going to start to look at the implications, and it's by no mean uh, by no means going to finish looking at them. We might end up in a wee run of shows here, and to help me on this journey is uh, a chap I spent in the spent a, a superb night last night at uh, the Walter Smith and Ian Ferguson dinner. I spent uh, in, in this chap's company. It's James Forrest. James, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ian. Good afternoon, listeners. Um... Yes, it is a really strange time to be alive, just in general. Um, everything to do with life at the moment, whether it be sport, whether it be holidays, whether it be events, it's all affected by this COVID-19, the coronavirus. Um, the night you were talking about last night is a prime example of that. It was Ian Ferguson and Walter Smith. It was supposed to be Ian Ferguson and Brian Laudrup. Of course, the God himself being in Denmark, in a country that is one of those that is in complete lockdown at the moment, that was not possible. So everything feels like it is being affected at the moment. People's work, so many more people having to work from home now as a result of this. So many people having to self-isolate. So many people having to make so many amendments to plans for you know the, the rest of these months and then into the summer and all plans for the summer looking in jeopardy. It's it's almost quite overwhelming, the amount of change that people are having to come up with so, so last minute and a real test for us as people as to how we react to that. And I think you know, we are going to be talking a lot about things in purely a football context. But I think at the same time when we're doing that, it's all going to feel quite trivial because there are so many more important things that are at play here. Um, so we will talk about this and we will talk about it and how important things are and whatnot. But uh, you know, we say that with the context of there's other things that matter here and this is why we're taking the steps that we're taking. You stick with me, kid. I'll put my foot in the ball, Graham Soonest like, and calm the play down. That's my role today. Um, it's, <coughs> it's funny um, that cough was involuntary, actually. Uh, so, and I can't infect you down the phone if I have it. Um, you talk about holidays. You talk about everyday life. Um, personally, I've been unlikely as of yesterday to now be working from home for the next four weeks that sounds brilliant but um i love the interaction james i warned you last night that my mood is going to be impacted by it so i I apologize in advance um and holidays there's a big thing it's going to soon be easter time it's going to soon be the summer time um as you know james i've got a wee house in spain uh, quite near one or two of our listeners uh, that I talk to offline quite regularly. And where I am in a wee village called Diafieca, uh, and the entire Valencian region has been pretty is about to go on almost, uh, almost lockdown, if you like, from Sunday evening with, if you can imagine, the, the entire Costa Blanca area of Spain. So lots of tourist fill. I am slightly inland in a very in a more very Spanish traditional village. Um, all bars, all restaurants, all shops outside of pharmacies and supermarkets are set to shut for the next two weeks. Imagine what that's going to do to that economy. So I'm due to be out there in about three and a half weeks' time. Highly, highly unlikely. Um, Colin McMillan and Cami Bell separately are meant to be going to the States in the next few weeks. Colin's meant to be going to WrestleMania. I suspect good luck with that. Colin might again get nothing. And sorry for joking, Colin. Um, And beyond that, it's going to impact people's everyday lives. And I'm I'm pretty sure that we're going to end up with school closures and looking after kids and folk going stir-crazy in the house, James. Yeah, it's going to require just that element of calmness. But... Bottom line is, I've I've heard lots of um, 
why are we taking coronavirus, as it's been termed, or COVID-19, why are we taking it so seriously? Because thousands upon thousands of folk die of common flu across the world every single year. And at the time of recording, there are some almost 150,000 confirmed worldwide cases of, of COVID-19 um, and five and a half thousand deaths. Typically, when folk have underlying health problems, just like when people die of the flu, it is typically because of underlying health problems. Now, we are not talking about a broad brush coronavirus. Coronavirus is like the the, the, the family of viruses, if you like, with the common cold being one of those strains. We are talking about one strain called COVID-19. Clearly, it's far more powerful. Confirmed cases versus deaths, 3.8% of people die. That's fact of confirmed cases. So for every 106 people, four die. Or in other words, on Thursday night against Bayer Leverkusen, two-thirds of the front of the Copeland would die if everyone got it. That makes it quite sobering for me, James, I have to say. So it's hugely more powerful than the flu. As I say, cast up that is that key example of more more people die from it. The common flu has a death rate across the world of 0.08% worldwide. And I guess the, the, the key phrases that we've used there, common, uh, common, common cases, um, I'm going to guess common cases of, of the flu, James, are much higher than those reported because folk are going to have some symptoms that are lighter. Much in the same way as scientists have projected that hundreds of thousands currently have COVID-19 and they're just thought to have far milder symptoms. So I'm going to wager there's multiples of that 145,000 confirmed cases really, really bringing down the death rate average. Because if you look at the volume of famous people that are getting it versus everyday Joe, that's going to suggest it's far higher with your Tom Hanks and your uh, Mikel Arteta's and your, you know, variety of footballers that are now currently getting it across Europe and so on and so on. You know, it's, it's, it's an indiscriminate virus. But we've got two real issues here. Beyond the death rate, as I kind of seemingly belittle the death rate, not at all. And that is A, just how contagious is COVID-19? And you've only got to just look at how fast it's spread in, a num- in, a, in less than a handful of weeks. Um, and B, there is still so little information about it. For example, only late this week has someone in Japan got it, recovered from it, tested negative again, and then got it again and tested positive. So scientists effectively suggesting that that shows that COVID-19 as a strain of coronavirus is evolving. As these strains always do, they've got to evolve to survive themselves. So, James, the background of what it's meant is countries across the globe have taken taken it seriously, pretty much watching what's happened in China and Northern Italy with Incidentally, northern Italy, the Lombardy area, etc., having huge Chinese expat populations. And we've watched a slow response. And therefore, because of the slow response and the outcome of that, some countries are starting to display the same rapid outbreaks and they've gone into lockdown. Parts of Spain, as I mentioned, parts of France, Denmark, etc., across Europe. Um, and that's at a time where Italian hospitals are reporting that they are actively having to provide decision-based care. Too many people in intensive care across northern Italy, especially, with the likeliest to survive getting treatment first. That's sobering in itself. There are people who are being decided they're not going to receive treatment first because of a variety of factors. Age, underlying health problems, whatever. That's wartime decision-making. And I'm not scaremongering. That's fact. That's just what's happening. So in sporting terms, 
by and large, what it's meant is football has broadly been suspended across most of Europe. There are pockets where that's not happened. And latterly, just yesterday, Friday the 13th um, of March, football across the UK, England first, followed by Scotland, was suspended. England for two weeks and Scotland until further notice. So, James, that means... Uh, the key question, I guess, on people's lips, outside of the, oh shit, am I going to die, right, is we're going to be bored of our tits. What, what are we going to watch? When are we likely to play again? And let's face it, we have got honestly no idea. We don't, because we've never experienced something like this before, so we don't have anything to fall back on. I, I don't think any league especially uh, SPFL, would have contingency plans for something like this. Because you would never anticipate something like this getting to that point. Ah, come on, James, you just mentioned SPFL. SPFL can't wipe its own arse by itself. They're never going to have contingency plans for this. No, but you know, I would be amazed if even the Premier League had um, a plan in place for this. But they're far more likely than the SPFL was the point. Um you know, it's again. It feels like a bit of a kind of you know, a, a trivial question when you talk about people that are having to make decisions on, right? We're going to treat you because we think you're going to make it. We're not going to treat you because, frankly, it, it could be a waste of resources to try and treat you if you're going to die anyway. That's essentially the decisions that these people are having to make, and this is why we have to take the steps we need to take because we can't have this going on for, you know, this, this could be something that could go on. If we didn't tackle this now, if we didn't, you know, put in these measures to prevent this, this could be something that could go on for far, far longer than you're talking months. It could be a year, you know. It, it could be more than that. So this is why we're having to do what we're having to do at the moment in terms of just limiting the amount of, you know, crowds that you've got there. <laughs> to be fair, the fact that we had... Uh, a full house at Ibrox against Leverkusen on Thursday. We now look back on that and kind of think, geez, oh, um, almost kind of feels like kind of, I was there that night when you know that happened, the last game at Ibrox for what could be quite a while. Um, <laughs> but you're right, no one has any clue when we're going to play football again. You know, people talk about you know, April 4th, April 4th, and whatnot. I'll tell you now, Hoggy, there is not a chance in my opinion, that football will resume as soon as that. There is not a chance in hell. Now, so genuinely, I wouldn't have thought so. And of course, we're going to veer into the the world of um, of supposition and presumption, really. Um, because this show, what we're going to cover is, what the hell does it mean for Scottish football? I should have told you that earlier, I suppose. Um, but I was... I was to get getting too caught up in uh, in the stats, what is going to happen to Scottish football? I met Alan Mabry, um, St Johnston first team coach, in passing in Tesco on uh, Friday. Um, Alan's son, obviously Alan, ex of uh, Leeds, Hearts, Hibs, uh, Republic of Ireland international, almost signed for Rangers on a couple of occasions uh, and married into the staunchest of staunch Rangers families. Uh, cracking guy and his young son is pals with my young son. Uh, so we're, we're chatting away and he's basically saying that was him just back from McDermott Park. They've got the next nine days off before reporting back. They've been told just to almost, almost self-isolate, really. But um, keep themselves fit. And he's wondering what the hell he's going to do with no football to watch football as Alan's life, as you can imagine. Um, they're basically thinking, right, they're going to have two weeks off and then wait and see. But that really, really means, if it's anything like England, James, it's two weeks off. It's likely a week then to get back up to pace. If the coronavirus, if, if COVID-19 miraculously dif- disappears, you're really talking three weeks off. Two weeks off, a week to get back up to speed. And then get back into it. So nothing until round about the 4th of April. However, like you, I cannot believe that we'll be playing again in the next three weeks. You know, such as the rate of um, cases 
such as the scientific and World Health Organization uh, uh, advice, and you're seeing the evolution of the strain of the virus. So I genuinely can't see it. And and without getting into politics and my belief, as I stray into politics, my belief is the UK and the Scottish governments have been really lax in their response. When the PMs comes out and says, we will lose loved ones before their time, and then decides it's still cool for Rangers to play Bayer Leverkusen and it's cool for Liverpool to be playing Atletico Madrid and 2,000 fans from one of the worst hit areas in Spain come over into a ground of 55,000. That kind of points to nuttery for me. Um, However, it is obviously serious with that medical and scientific expertise behind it. So I genuinely cannot see football again for the least for the next two or three months james probably highly likely um i i I generally can't see it for the next say 10 to 12 weeks and we're already getting reports in some of the the broadsheets so maybe the more well-informed newspapers of look we ain't seen this again until august at least and we have a laugh and a joke about it James, and of course we do, you know, it's Scottish football, it's bound to have a laugh and a joke. The season's null and void, and therefore the Tims are fucked. Ho, ho, right? And and we have had a great big laugh. There's a brilliant picture on Twitter last night, a rip-off of Celtic's game against um, Valencia earlier in the season, or last season, where they they had the the Green Brigade had the the, uh, banner up, but who's afraid of the big bad bat or something like that? Riddle me this, riddle me that, that was it. Um, and it said, riddle me this, riddle me that, uh, your nine in a row has been fucked by a bat. Um, so, the laugh and the joke, I like it. But compare and contrast, going back to that serious people impact, James, that you talked about, compare and contrast to formal responses. Neil Lennon, a press conference, and Jurgen Klopp yesterday. Celtic 13 points ahead of Rangers in second place. Celtic have got eight games to go, Rangers nine games to go. Ten points ahead if we win our game in hand, if. Eight games to go, 24 points to play for, including two old firm games. It's nowhere near finished. Liverpool, 25 points ahead with nine games to go. Just about finished, but not quite. Jurgen Klopp said this. I don't think this is the moment where the thoughts of a football manager should be important, but I understand for our supporters that they want to hear from the team, and I will front that up. First and foremost, all of us have to do whatever we can to protect one another. In society, I mean, this should be the case all the time in life, but in this moment, I think it matters more than ever. I've said it before that football always seems the most important of the least important things. Today, Football and football matches really aren't important at all. Neil Lennon said, If it was to stop now, I very much doubt uh, that they would say it's null and void. It would be death by a thousand cuts. We've played over 30 games. That's well over two thirds of the season. So we should be declared champions. If you're talking about the Armageddon of the league being cancelled or stopped, it should go down to average points total. That would make us clear champions and rightly so. They're not going to take that away from us. Compare and contrast those responses, uh, James, and the desperation. It's It borders on one being bothered about the impact on life and one being desperate for a tainted title in case those pesky Masonic orange bastards are out to get us. The class, the, the lack of class from Lennon in comparison to what Jurgen Klopp said, yeah, it's you know any any time a Celtic person has been asked about this, whether it be Neil Lennon, whether it be Scott Brown, um, the the response is very much of you know where we want our title because we get what we want, and if you dare try to take that away from us, then we are going to pick up the biggest fuss because we feel like we are untouchable. Fuck you, you know. And then with Jurgen Klopp saying absolutely the right thing, because it's a phrase that I always say as well. Football is the most important of the least important things. I as 
that's such a good phrase and it's something that I really try to live by. But yeah, of course, of course, that's what they're going to, how they're going to respond. But you think about it, Liverpool staff, Liverpool players, Liverpool fans would probably have just as much a right, if not more of a right, to say the things that Neil Lennon said because of the desperation to get that first league title in, you know, coming up for like 28, 29 years or something like that. Um, <laughs> but you look at what they're saying, you look at what Jurgen Klopp's saying, that he's the ambassador of that club, and I have no doubt that every single staff member at Liverpool and the vast majority of Liverpool fans would follow that same line. Celtic, different story. Completely, completely classless. Um, but I, the, the funny thing that I keep asking myself with this, Hoggy, is if we were the team that were 10 points clear, how would we react? I suspect we would react in exactly the same way because football is a hypocritical environment, James. Um, we would react like that as fans. And I'll come on to that later because football is hypocritical. Of course it is. We would react like fans. Stephen Gerrard wouldn't. Yeah. And for me, as we're talking here about uh, real outs or the face of the club, I think that's the important bit for me. And to reply to Mr. Lennon, um, you are literally not over 30 games. You said we are over 30 games in the season. No, you are not. You have played 30. We've played 29. 30, and I'll put my mathematical degree into into use here, James, uh, just because Mr. Lennon obviously can't count. 30 is not greater than 30. I know that might be a shock. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to do a bit of calculator. Right, let me get my calculator out. So what you're saying here, 30, is it greater than 30? So 30 divided by 30. By Jovi's right. I try. I, I know it's tough. Someone's got to do it. And mathematically, it's not finished. Not by a long shot. I know we've all felt it because the past couple of months have frankly been a bit shit. Um, 13 points in it. We win our game in hand. Eight games to go, 10 points in it. Two old firm games, you know, and, and it's very much our hopes and beliefs. You win those, there's four points in it with six games to go. That is not mathematically done by a long shot. Rangers can still very much come back. As unlikely as it seems... And I'll throw in, and this is a fan-driven thing, this is me being parochial and hypocritical and fan-like, but a precedent was set, despite me saying it's unprecedented times with the virus. A precedent was set, driven by Celtic in 2007-2008, that all games had to be finished by the final date of the domestic season. In this season's case, that's the 18th of May 2020. So, to add to that, even just today, the 14th of March, we've had dear old Celtic cheerleader who previously, uh, Chris Sutton, um, who previously accused Derek Johnson and Alex Ray of Rangers cheerleading until he realised he could make more pocket money to be placed into his mammy's bank account because, let's face it, Chris, you're a bankrupt arsehole. Only if he did what Peter Lowell told him. Peter had two interviews in two separate newspapers across the past 24 hours. The Daily Record in Scotland and the Daily Mail in England. In Scotland, he said, the only natural outcome is Celtic are the champions and Hearts are relegated. James, have a guess what he said in England. Uh, well, because he said that in Scotland, I'm assuming he would say that well, Liverpool should be crown the champions and the bottom three in the league at this moment in time would be relegated. Surely that's what you would have said for that. Ah, come on. Cheerleading flip-flopping is better or worse than that, James. You know that. In England, he said, the only natural outcome is that you cannot crown Liverpool as the champions yet. 
one wonders why we get the difference. I'll refer you back to Neil Lennon and paranoid desperation. But aside from the mental rantings of crackpots, James, we wanted to talk about the options. The options recording on the 14th of May 2020. And let's assume, for example, no football for 11 or 12 weeks. I think that's optimistic in the extreme, given all the noises coming out from the informed broadsheets. And that's just my opinion. But let's let's suggest that games start round about the 30th of May or the 6th of June, round about then. I think we've got three options, James. We play to a finish in the summer, thereby stopping the Euros and starting next season late. We stop the season and the current places apply, or we stop the season and it's null and void. Let's run through each of these, you know, because each of the options, you've got your um, phone-ins with your Gordon DLs, and you've got your your ill-informed stuff from Scott Brown or from Chris Sutton or whatever, John Hartson as well. There's another Celtic cheerleader, guess what he was calling for. Um, all saying it's dead easy, this is what should happen. The fraught with difficulty. It's not easy. And I absolutely get that. Because importantly, in Scotland, the SPFL regulations do not cover such a cataclysmic event at all. Article G53 of the SPFL laws and regulations only talks about individual clubs not being able to fulfil fixtures. And that's when it's of their own doing. You see, James? I've actually read the articles of the SPFL before passing comment. Fucking hell, where to get your news? So currently I assume it therefore becomes a matter for either the SPFL board or for the premiership, the premiership teams to vote on on an 11 to 1 basis, unless it comes top down from UEFA. There's been certain reports that in some of the red top comics that the Scottish government could decide the path. Well, the Scottish government have got zero jurisdiction. I wouldn't rule out them trying, though, to curry favour with you-know-who. So, James, let's quickly step through those three options. And as I say, three options outline, right, we ain't playing football until the start of June, okay? So... We play to a finish in the summer, we stop the Euros, and we start next season late. Seems simple, right? Seems a viable option, surely. But that would mean that we play out the final games of the season, the SPFL, the Scottish Cup, the Champions League, the Europa League, across and probably through to about mid-July. We give the players off until, what, mid-August? Late August? Maybe go again into season 2020-21? The season starts last weekend in August, for example. And I'm talking Champions League qualifiers. Steam viable, James? Mm. Um, So the first thing I think to point out is I don't see the Euros taking place anyway, no matter what, because... There are still qualifiers that need to take place, which would have taken place in the next couple of weeks. That's not going to happen. So my my instinct is telling me that the Euros is going to take place in 2021. Anyway, no matter what. So you do have that summer open. The problem, as you say, is you know the issue of those games going into June, July, typically when a new season would, would start. Um, but my feeling is when it comes to European qualifiers and whatnot, uh, this would be something that UEFA would need to amend um, and say, right, rather than four teams from X country qualifying for Europe, it's just going to be two teams, one for the Champions League, one for the Europa League, and you minimise the number of qualifiers as a result. Is that fair on the teams that would maybe finish third and fourth and miss out on that? No, it's not, but you kind of have to roll with the punches in this one. Um, That is a possibility, but at the same time, you make those amendments, but there's no guarantee that you will get football started again by that point. So it is a a tricky one. 
I can see the sense. I can see the sense in it. And from a you know trying to get this current season finished, that is the only option. But whether that's something that is going to be able to happen, I just don't know. And I think that's key. So going by the dates that we've just said, start of June. Um, currently, the Champions League and Europa League prelim qualifying rounds are scheduled to start in the last week of June. James, um, all things being equal, because you absolutely could start to amend the rules for one season only to European competition. That then gets you into UEFA having to pay off lots of clubs, frankly. Um, unless there's a whole wholesale amendment, which will end up at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. <laughs> so I'm going to base my view here on ever, on the competition being equal. So effectively, we delay everything by two months. We And we've got to make up the two months somewhere in the season because instead of starting late June, we're starting late August, probably early-ish September for league seasons. So we've got two months to make up somewhere in the season. This season lasts typically for the likes of Rangers or Celtic or English clubs from July to May. And it's already packed. We haven't had many, literal less than a handful. Uh, we've been playing two games a week. We, we haven't had many uh, free midweeks, James. We've been playing two games a week forever, only with international breaks. And I, because my expectation, like you, is Euros will be put back to 2021. Season 2020-2021 will require to finish at the end of May come hell or high water so we've got problems pack two two extra months into the season where there's no space for it to go into i'll go back to my mathematical background james that doesn't work so unless you cancel the euros completely and frankly there's no chance of that because that ends up in country to uefa litigation hell and uefa not making money there is no way uefa are going to have that james that just that that gives us that you know that there's no schedule to pack it into. Then we've got an an added issue. I don't think many people have frankly thought about this. Do you know what? I hadn't actually thought about it until I heard Fraser Wisher and Gordon Taylor, heads of the PFAs in Scotland and England, talk about this on Friday. Um, there's a, a little pesky problem called player contracts. Now. Players that are going out of contract typically happens by the 31st of May or by the end of the first week in June because it coincides with the transfer window opening, players going out of contract. Um, both Fraser Wishart and Gordon Taylor are already on record to outline the players will simply not put their careers on the line for short-term satisfaction of clubs getting the seasons finished. Frankly, neither they should. Can you imagine players going out of contract being asked to sign up just for that additional two months? We'll move everything by two months and we'll get the seasons finished. You might get injured, but suck it up. It's for the greater good. James, there is fucking no chance of that. No. And actually, when you talk about the player contract side of things, then that just... That kills that idea, in my opinion. Um so no, I, I don't. I don't see it because you're right. You know, neither they should. Neither, neither should they. You know, put their you know careers on the on the line with a two month kind of contract extension and whatnot. Um, it just messes things up completely. Um, so nah, when you look at it from that point of view, as much as I was trying to kind of imagine how that could work, and I could see one or two things potentially making that work in terms of playing out the season. When you add that factor into it, no chance. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's move on to the second option. Simply start the let's call it the Neil Neil Lennon, Scott Brown, Chris Sutton, uh, John Hartson, uh, desperation against pesky orange masonic bastard uh, options of stop the season and the current places apply. And I have to say, I'm really surprised that's the Chris Sutton in Scotland, Neil Lennon, Scott Brown, and John Hartson position. Honest. Um, whatever happened to that thing called sporting integrity, James? 
even just last night, I was driving through to the the, the, the function that we were at with 600 other people. Uh, you and I have got coronavirus, COVID-19, James. Um, Hugh Keevan, I put on Radio Clyde, much to my... I, I genu- generally and genuinely don't listen unless I want to feel better about myself, by and large. But last night I wanted to get a bit of a barometer to see who was phoning in and to see basically what the more... what the mental gymnastics were like. Um, because it's a decent barometer of that. And Hugh Keevans was indeed playing mental gymnastics on Radio Clyde, disagreeing with Neil Lennon, mentioning sporting integrity, but also suggesting that Neil Lennon simply didn't mean it as he is. He was thinking on the spot in a, in a press conference, and I thought, aha. And, but here's the issue with simply stopping the season and awarding the places as they currently stand. Um First things first, and this is me in full hypocrisy mode, absolutely. Precedent. Celtic drove the bus of sport and integrity in 2008. They argued that we could not run the season beyond the final domestic game of the season. Every game had to be played as they had a trip to to Japan booked, a trip that they didn't go on, James. Therefore, everyone, mainly Rangers with a massive fixture pile-up, had to play what felt like 172 games in 18 minutes, um, to to comply with that. And what happened was we simply ran out of gas. We just about won the League Cup and won the Scottish Cup. Uh, we failed in the league because we were running on empty. And we had something like two days to, compare for, uh, to prepare for Zenit St. Petersburg, with Zenit being given two weeks off uh, or the weekend before the Wednesday, so a week and a half off to prepare for the game. Um, so this season, 2018-2019, the season, domestic season ends on the 18th of May. So the same rules should apply, right? Now that seems petty, but that's a precedent that's been set. Another precedent was set in the 1939-1940 season when World War II broke out. Of course, there was no winners, no losers, no relegation. No records ever recorded. We are told that we are not allowed to claim our wartime titles, James. You and I, along with Ian McLennan, led the way on the wartime series. Folks, let's blow our own trumpet, James. That was fucking magnificent series. Go back into the archives and, and dig it out. If you're short of it, if you're free for an hour or two and you're bored, Go and look at the wartime, because we had great fun doing it. But there is precedent. And of course, that, that wartime season, 38-39-40, sorry, it was early in the season, but no one, no one moaned. Now Celtic want to argue with over 30 games played, which is a 100% falsehood, or let's call it for what it is, James, it's a lie. We can still catch them, but it's wider than Celtic. It's, you've got Hearts, of course, can still catch St Mirren and Hamilton, especially after the split, where the bottom teams will start to cut each other's throats. That's inevitable. In the Championship, Dundee United are likely winners, but they could be caught. Dunfermline will be 11 points behind them if they win their game in hand. And the playoff race has been contested by six teams for three spots. Championship relegation is between three teams. League One, everything is up for grabs. Go and look at the league title. Uh, go and look at the, the league table, sorry. Out in League Two, Cove Rangers are miles ahead, but the rest is likely the same. Mostly it's up for grabs. So the sporting integrity, largely when and where Celtic want it. But we also, beyond that, have litigation if it's simply imposed on clubs. Are Rangers and Dave King meekly going to accept this? No chance. Hearts and Budge? Nope. The rest to satisfy Celtic and a very select few? Nope. And on, on Radio Clyde last night, and as I said, I listened to gauge opinion of mentalists, we had Celtic fans phoning in saying it should be null and void arguing that the title would be asterisks, asterisks, if that's a word, and simply tainted, and they didn't want that. So, James, it would have to be voted on by the SPFL board, 
Um, of which Peter Lowell doesn't sit on this year, rather amusingly. Um, or the individual SPL divisions in which in the Premiership it would be an 11 to 1 majority vote um, that would have to vote for this. I'm going to suggest good luck with all of that. Yeah. I think you're stopping the season and you know, you're, you're, there's going to be this feeling of we need to award the trophy to someone. But that's not necessarily the case. You don't have to do that. Um, now, I'm going to be a big hypocrite here. If I, if I refer back to earlier when I said if it was us, it was 10 points clear having played 30 games. Not over 30 games, but having played 30 games. I would absolutely be saying, award us the, award us the title because we're at the top. I absolutely admit that. But because it's a different way round, I absolutely wouldn't want to have um, that be the case. I don't want that to be the outcome. And I think it's really interesting that you do get you know, Celtic fans, and I know the kind of Celtic fans that would be saying this kind of thing, that they wouldn't want that because it would feel like a tainted title. And they are right, because there would be a big asterisk over that. As you could argue, there's been a big asterisk over the titles that they won uh, whilst we weren't in the division. But, you know, that's a separate matter. Um, so, you're right, good luck with that. And it's not, you know, not just in the Premiership, but in the other divisions there as well. You know, teams are not going to stand for that. Teams in England, they're not going to stand for that. Teams in Spain, they're not going to stand for that. Can you imagine the argument between um, Real Madrid and Barcelona? And incidentally, Hoggy, I've just thought, what does the, what does this do to our fiver bet about Espanyol? And I don't know what's going to happen there. That's where the key precedent is. If we make a decision on that, then I think that begins the avalanche of, right, James Force and Ian Hogg, they settled their bets, so now we know what to do with the wider footballing world in terms of how we award positionings. I think that's fair. I'm quite happy to go that fiver, uh, James. Um, I, I can see this becoming a UEFA-driven thing, I have to say, because you look at the big divisions, Liverpool, ahead, miles ahead, uh, Celtic, ahead but catchable, um, Paris Saint-Germain, well ahead, uh, but certainly not mathematically away, Spain, up for grabs, Italy, up for grabs, Germany, up for grabs. That's why I think it'll be very interesting at the Tuesday meeting of all 50, is it 55 member nations in, in Europe. Uh, that's why I think it's going to be a very, very interesting meeting and outcome from that, because I can see it being driven by UEFA. I guess the, the, the final option, James, is stop the season, call it null and void. Because of the issues in no particular order, player contracts, sporting integrity, litigation, fairness, um, and backing into the next season if you move the Euros and therefore having a kind of finite point whereby next season has to end, quite simply, we don't know when we're going to be back playing. I've presupposed it's the next, what, 12 weeks, 10 weeks, 11 weeks, whatever of whatever it is, 11 weeks, I think. Could be more. Um, so calling the season null and void, in my view, as time goes on, is probably the optimum and sensible outcome for all. Not everyone's going to like it, of course. And of course, I'll talk about hypocrisy in a minute, but Celtic fans will hate it. Rangers fans will think it's a, it's a great big laugh. Celtic will probably claim it um, and put an asterisk beside it on the website. Um, if we were Celtic, we could do the same and say we were vice champions. Um, there's one for the kids. Um, but it means that player contracts are held. Competition is held. Precedence is held. I would also suggest, it wouldn't surprise me on Tuesday if UEFA start to lead that action, James, across Europe, because I am expecting a kind of European-wide approach. We start afresh 2020-2021, rather than creating that backup and potential litigation hell. Thus, effectively, one thing I haven't really thought of and it's just sprung to mind is, if you get that litigation route, it probably suspends 2020, 2021 from actually getting underway. So it's not just a Scottish problem. And of course, James, we haven't even touched on some of the issues that are going to face clubs if there's no football for a few months. 
irrespective of the routes that we've talked about. Um, and I'm going to set aside a sec. Um, fans wanting the parochialism, although the very real events that Rangers had, of the fans will vote for vote new co-Rangers out the league, even if it means their own team goes bust. Let's set that aside for a second, James, because I've got my own feelings on that. But if there's no football for a few months, irrespective of the routes that we've talked about, finances dictate that some clubs will very likely go to the wall across the UK. We've got the issue of should fans ask for and receive a refund? Um, Because we've got, what, four or five league games left at Ibrox? Should we? Personally, I won't. Some will. And then you've got that view across all the clubs, across all the land, that runs into millions of pounds. Um, So for me, here's a further question, James. We've got what feels like something that's a bit generational changing. Should the authorities look at this and go, do you know what? This could be a time for real change across European football. It maybe was always to take something like this to make that change. Now, it's funny because a thought that I've had, and I'll refer to one of the leagues that I follow, the Bundesliga in Germany, uh, a lot of reporting that they are going to just completely nullify a season. Um, and instead of the 18 teams, no team would get relegated, but four teams from the Zweite Bundesliga would be promoted to make a 22-team league for next season. Now, whilst we're having a chat there, I just thought, what does the championship in Scotland look like at the moment? And you've got, as you say, Dundee United far and away leading that. You know, It seems unlikely that a team would have been able to catch them. Then you have Inverness, Dundee and Air United in the playoff positions at the moment. Now, there's enough of a points gap there for you to say that that would be the likely top four. Could we potentially in Scotland see a scenario where if the season was just declared null and void, no team would get relegated, no team would be declared a champion. You have the opportunity there, though, for those clubs to move up. And you have 16 teams in a league. You have less games but you don't have this issue of having to cram games in because this is a problem that certainly we have had for a very, very long time. And this is an issue that Scottish football can't seem to find its way out of. But there is a potential solution there by putting in 16 teams rather than having the 12 and rather than having the 38 games, you reduce that to 30, but you open up a lot more midweeks for teams to recover, for games to be played for postponements. Because let's face it, we live in a country where weather can dictate whether games can be played a lot or not, um, as we have seen this season. Um, so I think that there is a real opportunity. For, if we, it was just to remain in a domestic sense, you have that chance. But in the wider European sense, there's also the talk of, you know, this is something I think you and I have talked about before as well on other shows, the idea of different FAs merging. Um, you know, you the money you would get from an Iberian league, the money you would get from a, a UK-wide league, the money you would get from a Benelux league, etc., etc., and so on. Um, you know, the Champions League, as much as it's been quite exciting this season, you know, you still get the same voices from people saying, oh, you know, it's just the same teams that get to the last stages of the competition, etc., etc. Uh, there needs to be a kind of renew, renewance of it and whatnot. Um, the big clubs and the big European nations saying we want to just play these big games week in, week out. We don't want to have to travel to stadiums that only hold like 5,000 people every third week. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's the opportunity. Maybe it's something that, given the fact there's not going to be football to think about for a while, it's something else that we can think about and we can look at the logistics of it and say, what would we need to do to make this work? And would it work? I don't think there's anything wrong with having that conversation. I would take genuine vision, 
James, wouldn't it? And um, football's a little short on visionaries. I mean, I've, I've, I've always thought that going to 16 teams in Scotland is, is a good thing. Um, teams will play less pressurised games um, and therefore blood youth and so on and so on. I've always argued that. But Scottish football owners will not vote, or like Turkey's voting for Christmas. Are you going to, is, is St Johnston, as an example, going to vote for um, two or f- two, yeah, less old firm, uh, two old firm matches less at home? Are they going to do that when they give out 7,000 tickets to away fans at 30 quid a pop times two? They are not going to give up that amount of money. So therefore, I don't see us voting to go to a 16-team or 18-team top division. From a European sense, I've always argued that the, the, the argument about Rangers and Celtic going to Europe was a very narrow and parochial one. Uh, not going to Europe, going to the English Premiership. Very narrow and parochial one. It didn't happen in 1991 into 1992 and therefore I don't think it's going to happen in isolation it would require European-wide change I've always thought that the idea of a European Super League if that came to fruition then you end up with divisions below it that start to branch out and become more regionalised as you go but that more regionalised view if you still have the Champions League the Iberian League for example if you say um, the, the top 12 from Spain, the top four or five or whatever from Portugal. And all of a sudden you've got Porto and Benfica and Sport and Lisbon and Braga and, you know, uh, Guimeres all have the ability to make more money and start playing the level playing field. You could go Holland, Belgium, France. You, you could go Scotland, England, Ireland, Republic of uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, for example. And of course, Wales, Northern Ireland, uh, m- most of Scotland and the Republic of Ireland end up regionalised. But it gives a chance not only for Rangers and Celtic, it gives, gives a chance for Hearts and Hibs and Aberdeen to get bigger. Um, and that would be interesting. Um, you could end up with, I don't know, German and Austrian top league with regionalised leagues below. Actually, Hitler maybe tried that already, to be fair. But you get the drift. I think you and I are talking the same language. Perhaps it's rocking the boat too much. Perhaps it's um, too visionary. But we go back to one thing being for sure, James. We've had a laugh and a joke. We've been very serious on this pod. It's not like the hamper, really. One thing's for sure, we are living in absolute unprecedented times right now feels like the start of a hiatus of football for three months plus. It feels like it. It could be three weeks. I could be wrong. This could be one of those pods that's just consigned to the bin in a few weeks. I want the right outcome for the players, for the interests of fairness and to ensure we safeguard future seasons. And I want football for the many, not just the very very select few this season driven by pettiness and grievance and football for the fans. That said, I've said it before on this pod, hypocritically, if we were top of the league, I would probably feel different. But that's the crux of it. We as football fans will be hypocrites. But in the cold light of day, I don't think the arguments that we've put forward, that I've put forward and you've maybe countered, James, at times, I don't think those arguments can be rationally argued against. No, but I think, you know, you've put across a lot of really, really good suggestions and the conversations we've had, we've looked at, you know, what's the, you know, what's the outcome of that? What's the, what would be the outcome behind making decision A or decision B and whatnot? And I think this is, this is the time where, as I say, we have the chance to have these conversations. We have the chance to really think about this, to think about where are we in the football context in terms of the structure of it, in terms of, you know, how, how money is spread, how competitions look, you know, can we amend this? Is there an opportunity to amend this? Is the fact that we have a World Cup in 2022 that's going to be played in the wintertime something that we can look at and say, we can try and amend this in such a way so that 
a season would end right before that World Cup and then work it from there. There's lots and lots of different possibilities. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to miss football a wee bit. Um, yeah. I, well, th- th- there's there's a thing. I wanted to close by saying we are going to miss football. I, I, I don't expect foot- football to be on for the next few months. It might be at a real low level in the UK, maybe junior football, whatever. I doubt it. I suspect that we're seeing the National League in England starting to shut as well, postponement after postponement, just as we're doing this show. Um, so hopefully we do get some kind of football fix. But arguments aside, all the arguments and scenarios that are placed forward aside, because they will involve arguments, of course. What I do know is that we will be with you every single step of the way in heart and hand. Aside from the red tops, aside from the comedy comics, aside from the hysteria and the ill-informed, we will be with you. We're going to obviously lose some programmes, as David mentioned on the daily update, previews, post-matches, Champions League shows, James, sorry mate. But we will have the rest of the shows and we'll record a few fillers, much like last night's watch-along that we did. Great fun watching Rangers Scud Celtic 4-2 in August of 2008. We're going to have more stuff like that. Maybe some comedy stuff, maybe even stuff and nonsense. Who knows? But we will t- continue to provide quality coverage. Here's blow, blow our own trumpet for a bit. Quality coverage and quality, quality content. So talk to us, please, continually. What do you want to hear? What do you want to see? And join us on the shows. And to start with, Give me, your com- give me your feedback, give me your comments, give me a general discussion on what we've just talked about. It's all welcome in the thread, and we will talk about it, because let's face it, James, we're going to have a little bit of time to do so. Yeah, we will. Um, this probably couldn't have come at a better time for me, I guess, given the fact I'm starting a new job. Um, by the way, my old job, I would have been screwed if I was still doing that. Can you imagine? Just think about that, and you know, going into places where the vast majority of people there are going to would be incredibly vulnerable to something like this. These places, they you know these these are people that they require a lot of medical care, and it's going to be really, really tough for the people that are going to provide that. They're not going to be able to see their families as much, um, and. You know, there would have been absolutely no chance for me to have continued to do that job. So I got out at the right time. Um, so I'm lucky in that sense. Other people are less lucky with their work, and I feel I feel so sorry for them. For anyone that's you know listening that has been affected, whether it be with work or holidays or anything like that, I really, really, genuinely do feel for you. I'm so sad that that's an outcome that's that's happening because the horrible fact is we don't know what is going to happen. Um, but as Hoggy says, you know, I know he will, I know I will, I know every one of us in the Heart and Hand team will do this. We're going to try and fill that gap, fill that void with all sorts of different things that we do. Um, you know, whether it's if, if you are one of these people that has to stay in the house for a wee bit, There'll be loads of things you can listen to. And if you're bored, speak to us. We'll get you on one of these shows. We'll have a chance to have a talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. We will do that. All you need to do is ask. Um, that's what we're here for. We didn't expect that we would be needed for such a circumstance such as this. We thought it would just be about talking about football was taking place. But I think we've adapted to a level where we feel we can help out in this kind of scenario too. So... Don't be strangers, is what Hoggy's saying, and is what I would say too. Uh, we're a big, big family here, and we will look out for each other, whatever that means. And I'd love to say that was succinctly put, James, but fucking hell, that went on for about four minutes. Well done, son. Um, we will be back next week, uh, but my usual call to arms, if you fancy coming on the show, put your hand up, come on the show, Talk to me about Rangers. Talk to me about your Rangers and what it means for you, be it first, best and worst. Rangers are livings, your Rangers life, your embarrassing moments. We could have one of those. That went down pretty well, James. And uh, just let me know in the thread. Email me or email me at hoggy at heartandhand.co.uk. 
and we'll have a natter, as James says. Talk to us in the thread. Tell us what you want. But we, as I say, we will be back next week in my usual Saturday morning slot. This was for one week only. Until then, James, thank you for coming on, mate. Thank you for talking about a, a bit more of a serious, um, a serious thing today. Hopefully, we made it a bit light-hearted at times. Um, and I'll speak to you. We're recording on the Saturday. This will go out on the Sunday. We're recording the watch along in an hour or so, which is going to be fun. So I'll speak to you then. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to watching some football with you. Um, and yes. Thank you all for listening, um, and thanks for just being part of the Heart and Hand family. I'll reiterate that. Thanks, thanks everyone for listening, because without you, there's no show, you know that. And until next time, talk to us, stay safe, and take care. Bye for now. That was a Heart and Hand production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.